Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. Well, what a privilege it is to be. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much for standing and honoring us, but we honor God today. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I want to thank you for releasing the Holy Spirit, sending our helper, our comforter, the anointing. We just honor you. We open your word today. Lord, we're going to have some fun. But Lord, we're also going to ask you to begin to penetrate the heart. Lord, we step out of the shadows of excuses and justifications. We will not do what Adam and Eve did. When they heard you, they hid themselves. Lord, we do not hide ourselves from you today. We are here standing, sitting, basking in your presence that is now here. Your spirit is walking among us. The angels of God are here. And God, we just simply come out from the rocks, come out from the shadows, come out from the caves, come out from the holes. Lord, where we have buried things and hidden things, and we say, Lord, we run to your word, we run to your presence. Release an impartation today. Let it be like golden bricks inside of your people. Treasure that is a keepsake. I hear the word of the Lord say, buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. What does it mean to buy? He said in Isaiah 55, come on, I'm praying and prophesying. Come on, right now. He said, everyone who is thirsty, come drink without money. So it's not money that buys the truth. It is faith and belief and pulling it in, I'm buying it, I'm taking it. It is mine and I cast out every other argument that would speak out against God's truth. I buy him, I buy into him. I buy his word and I'll not trade it, I'll not trade it, I'll not trade it. I'm gonna, I'm, I, I, you all right? We're praying, prophesying here a little bit. You know, one of the things that the Bible says that the arch enemy of our soul, old Lou, Lucifer, he says, by the abundance of his trading, he was lifted up. People ask, how did, how did pride start in heaven? Gives us the answer in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. By the abundance of his trading, what did he trade? He traded the truth for little fractures of lies. He's a traitor. He's a traitor. He loves to... Listen, God is an exchanger, but He exchanges our lies for His truth. The devil is the opposite of it, but he still got his nature from God in the fact that it's corrupted. He trades truth for the lie. If you want to get rid of the enemy you got to buy the truth and sell it not. You cannot sell the truth short. You cannot compromise the truth. Repentance means that you turn from what you think that is equal or above what God thinks and you buy Him. Jesus, we're asking for the truth to be released this morning. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. I asked the band to stay up. They don't know what we're going to do yet. I don't know what we're going to do yet. But it is such an honor to be in, is this Hayward, California? Is this, is this Hayward? Hayward, San, San Leandro. I can never get all your guys' names all the way through. I just, I just know that uh, Portia just tells me, just, just think Oakland and go south. Hallelujah. <clears throat> as uh, Pastor Steve said, we've known your Incredible pastors for about 25 years. Would you just tell them they are fantastic, wonderful people? Would you give them a big hand clap this morning? Yeah. It's an honor to have my wife, Jenny, Jennifer. We call her Jenny. 
Jen, Pastor PJ. We, it's Pastor Brad and Pastor Jenny, so at home they call us PB and J. And so uh, it's great. And to have my uh, youngest daughter with us, we have an older daughter, it's about 25 in a month, and she's married, two years married, and now we have our youngest with us. This is her first kind of ministry trip with mom and dad, and so it's an honor to be here. Love your church, love your pastors. We've had them multiple times. Let me just give you a little background that we're going to jump into the Word. I come from a very conservative background. My great-great-grandfather pioneered where I live, the Harrisburg Mennonite Church. And if you understand Mennonite, and Mennonite is a little bit of a little less conservative than the Amish. So my heritage goes back Clear back, we can trace our ancestors clear back to the 1500s and the Anabaptist movement right after Luther and the Gutenberg printing press in a little town called Alsace-Lorraine. And in the 1500s, I have relatives that died believing in a baptism and immersion, and they were held under by the Lutherans in those days, and they were martyred for believing in water baptism. That's my heritage. And so I grew up uh, in a kind of a strange setting. I grew up in a two-room schoolhouse. I'm not that old. I just want you to know I, I'm, I'm not that old. But I grew up in a two-room schoolhouse. I was, out of 43 kids, I was related to 38. Okay? It kind of gives you the background of how sheltered I grew up in. I, I mean, literally, first, second, third cousins filled that little schoolroom. Uh, I, my first day in high school, I got lost in the, in the public school campus because I, I only had two rooms for eight years and then they had a whole bunch of rooms and I didn't know where I was going. Uh, the church that we grew up in was ultra conservative. Then we moved to a little bit more moderate uh, Mennonite uh, church, but the church I grew up in, and you wouldn't believe this, but we, we had no instruments. So I learned to sing uh, a cappella uh, at the age of 13. I was in a barbershop quartet. It's not usually what 13-year-olds do, but when you had no musical instruments and didn't understand the tabernacle of David, you did something to do harmony and have fun, right? And so we used to sing and uh, sing, you know, kind of some of the oldies in the, uh, they'd take us to the nursing home. Swing down chariot stopping, let me ride. Swing down chariot stopping, let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock me, Lord, coming easy. I've got a home on the other side. You know, we do a few little things like that. But, but the reality was I didn't understand until God really invaded. I got saved at the age of 10 from backsliding and deep sin. And I think it was a, a blessing to the evangelist because we'd done a week of meetings, special revival meetings at the Mennonite church, and it wasn't going well. I was the six nights of meetings. On Sunday night, the pastor was closing the meetings. Not one person had come to the altar all six nights. And I remember, uh, maybe turn me down just a little bit because I'm going to preach a bit and I'm going to get too loud here. Uh, I remember sitting in the third from the back row with my family that Sunday night. And all of a sudden, the pastor gave an invitation. But in our culture, nobody wanted to show any emotion. fact is, by the age of 16, I had not been in a church service where I saw anybody lift their hands, where I'd ever heard an amen or a hallelujah in spontaneous outburst. Everything was sing by the hymnal. Everything was straight-laced. Everything. You didn't clap when somebody... And we had, we had family specials. People would come up and sing all the time. No music. You wouldn't clap. You wouldn't do anything. You just... Everything had to be... was so strict. And there at the age of 10, I felt three times the tug of the Lord. I, people say the tug of the Lord wasn't me. It was like the Lord touching my heart. But because of fear and because of not wanting to show an expression, I didn't know that I was supposed to go up even though he was asking for people to get up. So we, we got in the car after the meeting, and I am crying in the back seat. We're on our way home. It's a 45-minute drive. My dad looks at me, what is wrong with you, boy? I don't know, but I need to give my heart to Jesus. I have never seen my dad drive like Starsky and Hutch. He whipped that car. He had an old 69 Lincoln two-door. He whipped that Lincoln around, and I mean, we were flying down the back roads to get to the church. And he caught the preacher right as the preacher was changing out of his preacher, kind of, you know, they had the collar and the plain coat, and he caught the, he says, 
My boy needs to give his life to the Lord. And you can see the smile come on that preacher's face. That was where God turned my life around. I got filled with the Holy Spirit at 19. Was prophesied by some of the great, some of your pastors would know that. Was on a presbytery with George Evans, Ernest Gentile, and Mel Davis. And those three, now you have to remember, I'm a farm kid. Five generations farming. Five generations, I'm the only boy in the family. And the word of the Lord came and said, God needs good farmers. And I wanted to go to law school because I enjoy debating. God needs good lawyers, but you have been set aside to preach the gospel. And that day, it was like a hot knife cut through me, and I couldn't stop shaking. And they said, son, you will stand on this stage. You will preach the word to thousands. You will prophesy. You'll go all around the world. And I'm telling you, I'm 53 from that time of 19. I've been in multiple countries, multiple places, multiple thousands of people, done evangelistic crusades, prayed for thousands of people. I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is true. The word of the Lord is true. Mm. I, uh, I feel very humble being here. I mean, you, you know, you guys have had Bishop Joseph Garlington. You're going to have Bishop Wellington Boone. You've had the Prince of Preachers, Patrick Kitely. And now you've got a little farm boy from northern, uh, you, you know, Eugene, Oregon. So it's great to be kind of sandwiched between here. But uh, I am telling you, what an incredible church. What an incredible presence this morning. All right, here we go. I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 133. Now, somebody sent me a text this morning. I'm not sure who sent it, but they sent me a little, little gif. It said, said there's a big difference between a long service and holding people hostage. So we're not going to hold you hostage today. Glory to God. But Psalms 133 says this, and then we're going to maybe just move with it a bit. Behold, can you say that with me? See, behold is a word that is meant to get your attention. It's what John the Baptist said of Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So when you read that word, behold, you might turn me down just a little bit more. When you read that word, behold, it's not something, behold. It's not just this casual word. It's behold, take a look. Pay attention. There is something that's about to be said, something that you need to feast your eyes on and take into your heart because something God is trying to get into your spirit. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. They dwell in unity, not have unity once in a while. And then he does this thing called a simile or a metaphor. He says, it is like everywhere in the scriptures. Oh, you can even give me some. It is like. Mm. Mm. It is like. It's like what? I mean, Jesus says it. The kingdom of heaven is like here it is in the old testament setting it up it is like what dwelling together dwelling together in unity it is like it is like what it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of aaron running down on the collar of his robes now i don't know if David had some type of music. I know if this was a song. This is a song. This, in my mind, this is a little bit of a rap song. You got a little bit of a rap beat? Listen. Running down on the beard, on the beard, on the beard. Running down on the beard, on the beard, on the beard. Running down on the beard, on the beard, on the beard. On the collar of his robe, running down. Running down on the beard, on the beard, on the beard. Running down on the beard, on the beard, on the beard. Running down on the beard, on the beard, 
I'm, I believe we're going to have a little church today. Somebody turn to somebody and say, that white man can go. Thank you so much. Come on, give the band a big hand. <laughs> oh. Praise God. I tried to be like Steve and preach with a sport coat on, but I just can't do it. Glory to God. Whew. Now listen to what it says here. Everybody on there on, on one, Psalms 133? It says this. It says, running down on the head, we know that head to be what? The high priest. That high priest was symbolic of Aaron, right? It was the one that was anointed to bring once a year into the Holy of Holies the blood that would atone for the sins of the whole nation. It was the high priest that would carry Israel on his heart in the 12 different colored stones. It was the high priest that would wear that golden band that said holy unto the Lord and is where the oil doesn't start in your hands the oil doesn't start on your feet the oil starts on the head it starts on the head of the church his name is Jesus the book of Hebrews tells us we have a greater high priest than Aaron was who's not after the order of men, but he's after the order of an eternal office called Melchizedek. You see, some people get this confused. They think Melchizedek was a, a person. Melchizedek is an office. Let me just say that to you. That office has no beginning and no end. Why? Because it's an eternal office. He is what? The Lord of righteousness, the king of peace. Melchizedek, it's an office. Just like we have a president in that office. Things change, but the office remains the same. Jesus is after the eternal office of Melchizedek, who has no beginning, who has no end, who, has, who qualifies as king of peace and king of righteousness. Aaron was a type and shadow who the oil was poured out that holy oil. That holy oil was contained in the Old Testament in five major things. It was not to be duplicated. Let me say that again. It was not to be duplicated. Anybody that duplicated the anointing oil that was used for God's ministry was cut off from the people. The holy oil was for God's purpose. Let me say that again, people of God. The holy oil is for God's purpose. I am so tired of people taking the anointing today and running around for their own purposes. Self-appointed, self-anointed ministries that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God other than bless themselves. The oil is never to be duplicated. The oil is for His glory. The oil is for His house. The oil is for His people. The oil consecrates and sets apart everything for Him. That's what the oil does. And when we get that mindset together, when we get that mindset together, that the oil sets apart for Him, it doesn't mean we come out of the world to be distant from the world it means that at the time of your creation at the salvation and your birth being birthed into the kingdom you were set apart consecrated to have the oil of God on your life for his purpose so that you could actually be God's vessel in a world that needs he wants to touch through you you were not anointed for your own purpose let me say that again. You are not anointed for your own purpose. You are anointed for His. Hmm. And the anointing starts at the head, runs down on the beard and on the beard. Why? 
He was making a statement. It's on the beard. It's on the beard. Why on the beard? Because the beard was not just one side. It means it represented everything of his face. That it would flow from that beard until it would catch on the robes. The garments. You and I wear the garments of righteousness. You and I, our own garments are as filthy rags. But the beard, it's why they plucked out the beard. Come on. The beard, plucking out a beard was the most painful, excruciating thing. Why? Because the beard represented that which represented the high priest, the ministry that would then, as that oil, it would drip over every part of the body. You see, when we talk about this in the Old Testament and we do the types and shadows, you have to understand that they were only signposts to point to the reality of who Jesus is. And the Bible says now that we, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we now are the body of Christ. You now, it doesn't say we might be or we will be. It says in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 20 and following, of chapter 12, excuse me, verse 20 and following, that you now are the body of Christ. Think about that for a moment. Ephesians chapter 1 says he is the head of the church which you and I now are the body. He's the head. So where does the oil start? The anointing. The Messiah himself. That's what Messiah means. Messiah means the anointed one. Messiah means the smeared, smudged one. That's what the anointing means. It means to deeply smudge and smear with an oil. That's what anointing means. It's not, it's not like we do here in church services, you know, because we like our clothes. We just get a little oil. Has anybody ever been, I mean, he's passed on and in glory, but anybody ever been to a R.W. Schambach meeting? Okay, and an anointing service, I have, I have three friends that went to his Bible college and three friends that actually, two friends that actually pastored for him. When he would do an anointing service, they would bring a five-gallon bucket up on the stage. And he would dip, he'd roll his sleeves clear up to his biceps. And he would dip his arm to his elbow in that oil. And from that, you would hear the slick slap. Jesus' name, man. Whack. And I'm telling you, every one of those pastors says, you didn't wear your best suit to that. It was ruined. He said, you, you went down to Goodwill and bought a suit at an anointing service. You knew. He said, you knew that that thing was going to be dripped from head to toe with oil. Why? Because it was about smearing and rubbing and the, and the, 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 the messiness of it. Now listen, that's the dichotomy here in this verse when it says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He was contrasting it with the oil that runs down Aaron's head, all down his beard, all down his robes. He, in today's language, he would have been a hot holy mess. Right? I mean, oil dripping everywhere. He looked like one of my first cars. I mean, literally, pile of oil. Wherever he stood, there was oil dripping from him. Why? Everything he touched would have had oil on it. Do you understand that when, when the, all of the Old Testament scriptures were prophesying about the Messiah, they were talking about the one who was anointed by God, the one that wherever you touch somebody, wherever you touch, you would touch the oil. Why? Because the Spirit of God, listen, says what? They said that Jesus Christ was anointed with the Spirit without measure. Without measure. We get an R.W. Schambach five-gallon bucket measure. But Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit without measure. David is prophesying this because he understood oil. He understood a horn of oil. He understood it wasn't just a couple of dabs will do you. When he got anointed king of Israel as a young boy and here Samuel was standing and all his brothers were there. It was a horn of oil. A horn of oil does what? Pours down the head, runs down the beard, down the beard, down the beard to the robes, to the ground. Why? 
because it represented something that wouldn't just stay on the head. You and I are so used to just a little oil touching our head. We don't want to ruin our clothes. Just touch the head. The anointing is meant to touch the head and run all the way down to your feet. He said it is like, see, see it's not just, it's not regular oil, but the when brothers dwell together in unity, it is like. He's drawing a picture. He's drawing a metaphor. That metaphor means what? Is using a bridge to get you to connect spiritually with some biblical thoughts and take it over to apply it now to yourself. So anytime you hear, what is it like? It's trying to get you to connect with what you know to bring it into your now. It is like... It is like the precious oil running down. And then he says a second time, it is like dew. The dew of Hermon, which flows and falls on the mountains of Zion. Now you have to understand something in history. You know, when people say we're going to go to Mount Zion, has anybody ever been to Israel? Okay, there's a few of us. Mount Zion in the natural is no, I mean, your hills around here are 10 times as tall as Mount Zion. It wasn't a mountain in the natural. It was a, a little, I mean, not even a hill. It was a mound. It, I mean, literally, you could put maybe three stages together, and that was the area. Where it was the mountain was spiritually. It was a mountain spiritually. It wasn't a mountain geographically. But he was connecting something. He says, it's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. Why is that important? Because David was singing about a mountain that actually was tall. Hermon was tall. And it carried snow all through the summer. Now, I know you all live in California where it's dry and all of this stuff. I live in Oregon where it's wet. And we have this thing, and maybe you guys have it here too. I'm not so sure about your climate, but I know our climate is called dew. And if your kids leave out stuff like their little e-scooters or their bicycles or anything that's metal, you leave it out in Oregon, not about just the rain. The dew will eventually just get over everything. I mean, if it's not picked up, it will be wet. Lawn chairs will be wet. Bicycles will be, everything will be wet. Why? Because something came in from an atmosphere that didn't just cover what was left out on the ground. It covered everything that was on the ground. Now he's making a point. He's saying, when brothers dwell together. Now when he's talking about brothers, he's talking about sisters. He's talking about the brethren. He's talking about how good and how pleasant when the brethren, when brothers and sisters dwell, dwell together in unity. It is like when that oil comes down touching every area. It is like the dew that is released that covers every area. Here's what Mount Hermon would do. Because Mount Hermon was high enough, it got into the atmosphere. And because it got into the atmosphere, it pulled something that was not available to a natural lower mountain. It pulled from a higher level to bring it down to where everyone else lived. Are you, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Means that when you understand that unity is like oil... But it's like dew. Living in unity is where God begins to do something. And here's why he said it. I'm going to come right back. He says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. What, are, what is he saying? He said, if you'll live there, if you'll dwell there. Come on, we have scriptures in the Old Testament. He who abides in the Lord. He who dwelleth in the secret place of the there. That, that thing called dwell means what? To continually live in an atmosphere. He said, how good and how pleasant it is when brother, behold, look, get this, behold, I'm talking to you. He said, when brothers and sisters dwell, it is like the oil. It is like the dew which falls. Why? Because when that dew falls, it doesn't just fall on one. 
It falls on them all. It falls. You've been praying for revival. You've been praying for an outpouring. You've been praying for holy fire to come again. As Terrence was leading out in that song and, and, and took that service just a bit this morning. It was awesome. How does it happen? It happens when we actually dwell together, living in unity. No separation. No sep- now, that doesn't mean you can't be an individual. It doesn't mean that you can't have your own thoughts and your own personality because God created you that way. He doesn't want a bunch of carbon copies. This is God didn't, didn't take anything in his kingdom after Star Wars, right? There's not the myriad of troopers out there that all look the same. He loves authenticity. He is originality. He is creator. But he wants to bring all of our differences under the banner of Christ. And he wants us to dwell in unity. That's why the scriptures in Ephesians 4, verse 4 and 5 says, Make every effort to stay in the spirit of unity and the bonds of peace. Why? Because when you do as a church, it doesn't, it's not just like you dwelling personally in your own life. When you, you get that favor and you get the presence in your own prayer time and in your, over your own family, but there's something about the corporate. There's something about when it extends to people that have no idea how to do that. It's all of a sudden they come into a house of the Lord where the dew of heaven is already activated. And when they get in, they, they think, what is this? What is this? What is this atmosphere? It's on everybody. I can feel it. I can see it. It started the moment the music played. I feel the atmosphere of it's like, it's like oil. It's like dew, but it's not dew and it's not oil. It is the holy presence of God called the commanded blessing. The commanded blessing is the presence of Almighty God. That's the commanded presence. You guys doing okay this morning? I haven't even got out of my introduction. Glory to God. It's when we do life together and God says, I like it and I'm going to give you what is the key to it all. My presence. And where his presence is, there he is. And everything is possible in his presence. Healing, deliverance, uh, Miracles, signs and wonders, answered prayer is what is possible in the presence of God. That's where the command, notice he said, the Lord commands a blessing. When the Lord commands his presence to come, then all things are possible to him who believes. You doing all right? I'm going to need a little more organ here in just a little bit. You see, the church is the body that sits on the head. <laughs> Sorry, turn that around. The head sits on the body. We don't, uh, Sorry, glory to Jesus. Okay. The, <laughs> the head sits on the body, which means what? God's looking to use you and I to do the same works and greater that Jesus did while he was on the earth. He says that in his scriptures. And as the church, there's some things we do together. We gather together. Mm-hmm. We gather together. Dearly beloved, we are gathered in this place. But then we also, we also, are you ready? We also suffer together. We grieve together. We suffer together. We sing together. James chapter 5 says, Is anyone sick? Let him sing. And as we sing together, we are joined together. There's something about, I can sing to my Sing in the spirit, Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 14. What shall I do then? I will pray in my understanding and I will pray in the spirit. I will sing in my understanding. 
and I will in the spirit. Singing together, uh, join together, and worship together. When I worship together, what happens? All of a sudden, it empowers me to stand together. Stand together, I can pray. Pray for one another. Agreeing together so that we can be planted together and be fruitful together. See, that's what God's looking for. You see, what the world, you're doing good, you're doing good, you're doing good, yeah. You see, what the world is doing is they want all of the things of God. And this is, this is, I'm talking about self, when I say world, I'm not talking about unsaved world. I'm talking about unsaved church. Unsaved church. It says that I can just have my own anointing. I can do my own thing. Self-appointed, self-anointed. So many people run around with titles. Aren't you glad? that Jesus just had a couple of them. It wasn't the right reverend, holy bishop of the intergalactical universe. Right? That isn't how Jesus was introduced. It was the Son of Man. The Son of Man. The servant of them all. Come on. I, 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 I seem to remember somewhere Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest... You've got to serve unto the least of these. Those who want to be great must become the servant of all. The greatest title in all of the kingdom is called the servant of the Lord. You see, that's why it's so important that we plant together and be fruitful together. It's not what the unsaved, saved think. They think they can have Jesus outside of being planted and being fruitful together. They want to bear fruit unto themselves. Just give me the head, Jesus, that's all I need. The problem is the Bible never gives you that choice. Doesn't give you that choice. I know I'm preaching to the choir today because you're here. God bless you. But I'm preaching to everybody that's on that little screen right there. And everybody that's going to hear this. God would have not given us all the New Testament about pioneering churches setting in elders setting in deacons if it was not the purpose or the will of God anybody that tells you you can be saved and don't have to go to church is a liar why? they're only giving now here's why they're a liar they're only giving you half of the truth the definition of truth in a court of law is the whole truth nothing but the truth that means a leaving out things that are truth is called a lie mm. so why is together important why is unity important and what is God saying to this house right now he's saying unity is important because there's a sound called harmony harmony I need, I need you and your sister. Come on up. Where's your brother? Brother, brother, brother. Oh, yeah. Now listen, listen. Just, just singing by myself isn't any good. But when the three come, where's she at? Where's she at? She, she's out? All right, she's out serving. So here we go. There's a sound There's called a harmony. Harmony. Just alone, just play me one note. Just one, 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 one. One, 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 one. That's all right. But listen to when it's full. You guys sing, you sing, sing something you sort of duet on something, and I'll just jump in. You see, that's why we're preaching this message <laughs> for harmony. How about Amazing Grace? You guys know that one. Amazing Grace. How 
How much better does that sound together? they were hearing and we were playing off of each other to make sure that we were not sliding and taking the whole group down it matters come on right it matters we had to stay connected in what we heard and in what we said Thank you. I know it's on the spot. Harmony builds. Harmony lifts. Harmony builds. Harmony is beautifying. Harmony requires unity. Harmony brings depth. Harmony brings breadth. Harmony brings life enhanced, expounded, and it brings new levels and dimensions. Why? Because harmony is part of the oil that flows down. You see, in heaven, you see, we see, why did Jesus teach the disciples to pray? He says, pray this, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand that Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in perfect harmony? There is never, ever, ever a misstep with them. That means that everyone that's in heaven right now is harmonizing with them. There's no, nothing that crosses their will. There's nothing that crosses their sound. There's nothing that crosses that will of the Father that's flowing down. That's why it's linked that's why the Holy Spirit anointing is linked to oil. It's not a reservoir. Why? It flows down. And so when you hear harmony in singing, it's to remind us that we are what? It is, it's that scripture, accord. We're to be in one accord. He's not talking about a Honda. He's saying we're to be in one accord. One accord meaning what? That there are levels mathematically and scientifically and sound-wise that create perfect unity and fullness. That's why it's like a dew that comes on the mountain. It flows down. It's not a reservoir. It's meant to flow. It's not a reservoir. It's meant to fall. Unfortunately, people get familiar with their own anointing and they start having a reservoir. And when a reservoir happens, then you stop having the impact of the freshness of heaven. And that's why the dwelling, that's why it's not just once in a while having unity. That's why revival atmospheres lift. Why? Because prayer stops and because dwelling in unity stops. Because the devil always comes to put a wedge to stop unity because he understands, it's, as it is written, there's a commanded blessing when there's dwelling. Have you wondered why church splits happen after revivals lift? Why? Because somewhere something got in through breaking the unity and the whole thing came apart. The anointing as it flows down is meant to be manifested. That's, Charles Spurgeon says this. This is no small part of the excellence of his oil. Oil would not anoint if it did not flow down. 
Think about that. Oil would not anoint if it did not flow down. Neither would brotherly love and unity be released if it did not descend and come down from above. You see, what, we're, what, what, I'm, what I'm driving at here before we take communion this morning, what I'm driving at is unity is just not something that you can have person to person, seat to seat, because we're going to try harder. Unity isn't just about sitting together like they're happening right there by coming sit next to them. I mean, this is great. It's part of unity. But, it, but it's really not unity. It's, it's, about, it's about I've positioned myself. Unity comes now in the spirit when I lay down my will and receive his. And I'm listening to his will come through the many-membered body of Christ. And we are harmonizing together on his will. And that's when it begins to flow down. I felt it this morning. I felt it this morning. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I, 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 I had a lot of messages I was wrestling with today. But last night I felt a turn as I was praying. And I said, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to bring? He said, yes, this is what you're supposed to bring. You see, when that anointing flows down like oil and dew, it comes down to the very garments. And you guys remember the stories? You remember, and I, I don't even like to call them stories. You remember the accounts that are written. The woman that had the issue of blood, and she said to herself, if I could only touch the hem of his robe. What robe was on his body? Who's his body? We are now. The Bible says in Matthew and in Mark and other places, and when they recognized Jesus, Matthew 14, when they recognized him, they sent all around that region and brought him to all and brought to him all that were sick and implored them that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. Not his hands, not even his prayers. Just let me touch the fringe of his garment. Why was that so important? Because the oil had touched the garment. He was in perfect unity with the Father. He was in perfect unity with the sound of heaven. He was in perfect unity with the will of what was going on. And he didn't even need to speak over them. He didn't even need to touch them. He just needed to touch the garment. Why? Because the oil had already been on the garment. Do you understand that when we're in that atmosphere and we're dwelling together in unity, the oil, like the dew running down from Christ the head, covers everything. And it's all ready comes on your garment that he gave you called his righteousness, his peace, his grace. And the atmosphere for everything that he does in his name that's good is there because the anointing is there as we are abiding in him. You see, the benefits of unity are this. A continual, heavenly, fresh supply. That's so important. That's why it's the first thing. Number two, an atmosphere of abundance and fruitfulness. Number three, it creates an environment where God commands a blessing in every season. Remember what it says about in Psalms 2? You be like a tree planted behind, beside the waters whose leaf does not wither, who bears fruit in every season. That's what dwelling in anointing does. It causes every season to have fruitfulness for His glory and His namesake. And number five, it's the anointing that empowers the church to win supernatural battles. the anointing that brings miraculous turnarounds now you know that we're called to be one church we have one church one Holy Spirit we have one destiny or calling in hope we have one Lord one faith one baptism and one father what is that that's called unity 
Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.